0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Trans-Questioning Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and today we've got an episode. Not a special episode, just an episode. So I'm recording this, at, let's see, uh, th- October 9th, uh, 3.10pm, October 9th. Um, it's been a week. This is, I'm recording this the day before uh, I'm going to be posting it. I've been needing to record this episode and um, putting it off because I had a lot of like cynical things. That I wanted to talk about, and I—I I don't know—I wasn't, I wasn't feeling too good, and now I'm—I'm kind of glad that I put this episode off because today I'm feeling actually pretty good. I had a really long conversation last night with—I um, um, guess there's no point—Molly. Dot noise. Uh, uh, so. I interviewed her or we talked, it's not, it's it's stupid to call it an interview, but uh, next week and potentially more weeks after that will be our, um, the content of our conversation. We talked for like three hours on that recording. I have no idea. I'm going to edit, edit it down. I'm sorry, my voice, my my mouth is so squishy. I've been drinking coffee and I don't want to brush my teeth right now. But yeah, so I had a conversation with her last night and it was very therapeutic. I had a lot of very important revelations about myself. Uh, I cried a lot last night and uh, I imagine I'll get into that a little bit later. But uh, first, I want to get into some other things. So it has been. A fucking week. I guess it's several weeks now. Two weeks. So in the previous episode, I mentioned having thoughts about uh, the latest Counterpoints video and considering maybe doing a video about my thoughts about the the new Counterpoints video. I uh, did end up doing that. Um, and statistically speaking, if you're listening to this, you're probably very aware of this fact because that video kind of, sort of, a little bit blew way the fuck up. Uh, so. I posted it and it was already getting way better views than just about anything that I've ever posted in terms of like immediately people watching it. And then, um, so I guess it just sort of like slowly rose over time. Um, Natalie counterpoints, she left a comment on it and that was like, Oh my God, she left a comment. Apparently there was a, uh, a patron only AMA that she did where she mentioned, uh, my video. And I'm really curious. I've almost like, Pledged to her Patreon just to see that because I'm I'm self obsessed, but uh, uh, it's been posted several times on Reddit in various different places um, because I, I I checked, and the big thing though was um, Peter Coffin who is a YouTuber uh, who I whose stuff I really like, uh, who, I, who whose stuff I wish that I could watch more of. His presentational style, I have a hard time sticking with it. He doesn't have as much of like the entertainment side of things that some of the other YouTubers that I really like do. So it's hard for me to follow him sometimes, and that's entirely my own fault because of my own like neurological issues. But I still love his stuff, and I think he's an incredibly intelligent person, and I really want to read his book. Um, uh Peter, if you're listening, hello, thank you for plugging my thing and um, ominously telling me I will be watching. So, so he, he he posted my video on Twitter and um, left his own comments uh, uh, sort of saying that the, he, he had some quibbles about my like vocabulary choice and sort of extending my thesis a little bit. And, um, I commented on that, like, yeah, I basically agree with your with your points, and then I added another thing, like also, hey, I really like your stuff, and this is incredibly overwhelming, and thank you so much for this and uh, he commented on that with with like a heart, and then just like i I will be watching more, or something like that, and then commenting back on this stuff, so I read the the I will be watching more is like this incredibly foreboding thing of like here is someone who is like decided like. You have my attention. Now let's see if you can follow through. Uh, so that was wild. And he follows me on Twitter now, which is ludicrous to my brain. And there's a couple of other YouTubers who I really like. Um, uh, Claudia Brown, the the quote unquote ranting feminist, uh, now follows me, which is which is wow. Okay. Um, the the uh, Jessica Nightmare, the the comic. Uh, uh, Nightmare Pixie Dream girls is that right? Manic Pixie Nightmare Girls. I can't remember exactly the name of the comic, but uh, her her stuff I really like. I don't know I I know it's I know I'm like bragging, but it's just it it boggles my mind uh how quickly things have changed. And so here's the the big sort of engine of change is that Natalie Wynn herself uh retweeted my original post about the video. That's just like, you know, when I first posted it. Um, and it is still to this point, as far as I can remember, um, I don't have an easy way of looking at it right now. I'm laying on my bed. As as far as I know, at least up until yesterday, it was the most recent thing that she's tweeted. So for, for two weeks now, it's the most recent thing. Anybody who goes to her Twitter, that's the first thing that they see is my video. And um on top of that, that was already huge. but on top of that, like the day after, and I think the reason why this sort of blew up in a big way is like the day after she uh, uh, after, uh, after I posted my video, she did a um, sort of response to some of the controversies to her video. I'm assuming if you're listening to this that you're kind of already abreast of of the situation, but basically Contrapoints is a YouTuber who does uh, a sort of philosophical dialectic weird things about like transgender issues and uh it's very funny and interesting and insightful and often controversial because she delves into some really complicated issues um and she gets in trouble a lot because uh twitter is full of teenagers and that's fine but nuance is often lost on them it was lost on me when i was that age so uh, uh she responded to a lot of the criticism especially like in the context of like people accusing her of binary erasure or a uh, non-binary erasure uh basically sort of explaining her her approach to this and where she's coming from is like somebody who is older she's about the same age as me i think she's like one year older than me um and how uh, how much how fast things have changed and how fast like the discourse has changed and there are words that she's used most of her life that now people are like eh, that's pretty unacceptable which is probably something we should interrogate. That's that's, that's not necessarily great, but y- y- yeah. So she did this thread, which I thought was very illustrative of some of the points that I made, and I think confirmed my general theory that she was not coming at this in bad faith. She had no intention of saying. Uh, people of non-binary or or uh, gender queer identities are invalid, or that their defense is wrong. But she has one tweet in that thread that was um, basically saying, "Surely a defense of uh, non non-binary identity that begins and ends with, I am not a man because I don't feel like one' is weak." And everybody latched onto that. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that that is wrong specifically that uh, the thing is my, my ultimate criticism is that, that Twitter is just the wrong venue for that particular conversation, because I understand what she was saying with that particular tweet. And especially in the context of the rest of the thread, because she's not saying that your that if you have that defense, your identity is invalid. She's asking a philosophical question and trying like airing her doubts in the same way that she does with her videos. And that's something that I understand. Like it's, you could accuse it, accuse her of being like engaging in sort of a double think where I do this too. There's, I, I stay vocally, um, Whatever identity that you choose uh, or or align yourself with, that's your identity. No questions asked. I'm I'm not going to come to you and be like, are you sure you're trans? I mean, that would be ridiculous for me to do as a transgender human person. But there is also a question involved of like, there's a complicated sort of philosophical debate to be had about like, what is Gender, though, like in terms of social utility, and that's what her video, The Aesthetic, is about, asking that question and trying to do it, you know, in a a complicated and, again, problematic way. And I use that term in a sense that that which is problematic is presenting a problem that we as the audience ought to try to solve um, because it's, it's raising concerns in us as an audience. So. Mostly, I took her, I took her meaning and I I understood what she was going for, but everybody else mostly did not because uh, they were already sort of primed to take her messages in in, in the wrong way, and that particular tweet uh, uh, just doesn't look bad on itself on its own. And here's the thing: is that. After that controversy, she deleted that thread. Apparently, she did a second where she explicitly said that, you know, I don't invalidate um, um, non-binary identities. She deleted that one, too. I never saw that one. So now those tweets are gone, except for the ones that people screen capped. And the only one that people wanted to screen cap is that one particular one, which looks bad out of context, and so now that's what's flooding around all over the place when people are criticizing her. It's like, look what she said. Look how terrible she is. And you know, that's not great. That's a kind of a bad faith approach to criticizing her views. But it's kind of the thing that she should have expected to happen. Because, like I said, Twitter is not the place to have that conversation. When you're doing something that is essentially micro posts and a thread you're not reading it as like a medium article where it's, you know, paragraph, 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 like it's all a, a piece. It's, it's individual nuggets of, of of opinion and every single one of them can be taken out of context. Twitter as a medium is too simple for that conversation to happen. Like this is a conversation that, you know, at best, it's, it's something that needs to happen person to person and so doing that on Twitter, I understand why she did it, uh, that, that particular thread. Um, I understand where she's coming from. And like, as I said in my video, I, I do think that sh- she could do more to sort of reassure her audience who are potentially rightly concerned about her views um, or the her, the potential of her views to invalidate identity. But, um. I think that she ought to have chosen a better medium for that. And of course I can judge from my little corner of like uh, having absolutely no consequences for anything that I say or do at this point. So it's easy for me to sort of say, well, you should have done this instead of that. Uh, but I do think like a, a medium post would have been warranted where it's like the whole thing is there. Um, and I think her, her like second guessing herself and deleting that thread was, ultimately did more harm than good. Cause it's really hard to find an archive of that thread Uh, And it's I haven't been able to find one of the supposed second thread. So, yeah, it's tough. It sucks. But so she did that thread, uh, deleted it, and then she retweeted my video. So not only is it like, oh, this is a popular YouTuber who's posted this thing and it's still the most recent thing she's posted. It's particularly there's a controversy that has gotten pretty big on like the lefty Twitter YouTube side of things and everybody's trying to figure out what is what is what does Natalie think she go they go to their her Twitter and they see my video and so my video has a, more or less, whether intentionally or not been endorsed by Natalie as the standard defense of her position. It's basically like the placeholder for like if you have a criticism, go here and this explains it in my view um so my video blew up as a result um about like a little over two weeks ago the the timeline's a little hazy in my brain now i uh, time doesn't exist for me uh but i was it it took me a well over a year to uh pass 800 subscribers uh, and that was like a big milestone for me is for, for whatever reason, I just like the number eight. So I got to 800 and I'm like, holy shit, that's amazing. And I was getting ready in my head. Like, you know, after two or three more videos, uh, I'm probably going to hit a thousand and that's going to be a big celebration. I was excited. I was going to do, I was like, I was going to try to do something. I, I, I didn't even get, have enough time to, to formulate that thought as I'm leading you on this journey with me. Um, more or less overnight, I started getting just a ton of subscribers. Uh, and and the rate picked up to the point that like by the weekend, um, I, I, I'm going to have to turn this off. I got, um, I, I have it set. So YouTube sends me notifications whenever people subscribe or leave comments because for well over a year now, that's like, you know, five or six people a week, every once in a while, a person leaves a comment and I like to engage with stuff like that. Um, my, my, uh, my, fol- the folder where those go, uh, I was getting, oh God, I, I, d- I didn't count, I couldn't count, but e- easily at the highest point, like 80 so an hour at some points. Um, so I now have, uh, at the time of recording, 5,800 something subscribers on YouTube. This happened in the course of two weeks. It's unbelievable to me the rate at which this has happened. Um, and I've gotten a shit ton of patrons as well, where I was at, I think, uh, around 70 bucks before. And I'm now up to like, is it 170 now? I think it's less than that. I'm not sure. Um, and, and and it's... it's. So I guess I'll get into this, but, but uh, uh, yeah, so... It blew up in a major way. And like I said before, um, now there's a couple of relatively large YouTubers who follow me. And so it's truly unbelievable to me that this has sort of finally happened. In a lot of ways, this is what I've been preparing for. um, To get kind of inside baseball, my approach has always been that I treat it like a job, uh, even though it doesn't pay and it isn't a job. So I've tried to do a video a month at least. Uh, often I try to do two videos a month. Um, and even in my like worst times, I still managed to churn something out. Um, so there were times when I like recycled old content, repurposed old things. Um, when I was the summer that I sort of paused my uh, this past summer, when I paused my patron Patreon and basically said, like, I, I can't hold myself to a, a hard timeline right now or hard deadlines for, for videos. Um, I posted a video of like a, a talk that I did in a class Um, a professor a friend of mine invited me to talk about whatever. So I did one video that was basically my lecture and another video that was the conversation that followed. Uh, so it's just stuff, stuff like that. Um, and so I, I've always been very aware of the, the phenomena of somebody sort of Getting this like viral success, and their immediate thought is like, okay, I have this success, and now I can make a living out of it. But they, they got lucky, but they haven't laid any other foundation necessarily. The people who get like viral and then sort of just disappear, um, I think it's partially because they have no other direction for people to go from that sort of viral thing. What has really surprised me about the reaction to this video is that quite a few people have gone from that video to my other stuff. And I believe 100% that I would not have the number of subscribers that I have gotten if I did not have this like wide, varied quantity of content uh, from the last year, that is covering all kinds of different things, and uh, in particular, I have my sort of coming out video that I did last November, um, which has kind of blown up in its own way, and blown up maybe isn't the right word, but it went from having a f- just a few views. I think it's up to like two or three thousand views now, and it, it and I'm getting comments on it all the time, and the comments are really. Make me feel good because it's a lot of people like th- this video is very painful for me because it's about my uh, my issues with my body and like how much I hate it or hated it, I should say. And um, tons of people have commented on it, basically saying, wow, I needed to see this. And, um, you know, same essentially. And hearing that is like really reassuring because um, it's a video that I can't watch. It's too painful for me. And there's a part of me that wishes I didn't make it. And I think that's if I'm being objective in whatever sense that's even possible. Uh, uh, that's why it's a good video, because I'm being 100 percent honest in a way that is like I'm, it's, it's me opening a wound on camera, more or less. So that, that appears to have really connected with people. Um, and I have a Patreon that I have kept updated Uh, at least generally like an update a week. Um, And I, and I post lots of things there. I've been doing this $5 tier where people get, um, you know, outtakes and my scripts and notes and various, like uh, a a long breakdown of my process and the video and sort of what I learned from it Um, with, with a pretension of like people, what I, what I wish other YouTubers would do sometimes is, be more explicit about their process uh, because like in any field, it's easy to sort of see somebody like H bomber guy doing these incredible videos and thinking like, Oh wow, he's so talented. I could never do that. When the actual process is like, um, it's full of doubt and, and terror uh, and dread and like, Oh God, I'm a sham. I've been going through that a lot lately. I the video that I'm working on now, it's, it's the same way where it was like, I, you know, I've got 5,000 some odd people, almost 6,000 people, um, saying, hey, your stuff is pretty good. I want to see more of it. And I'm th- sitting here thinking, like, this next video is garbage. I'm a trash person. None of this is worth anything. Uh, why do I even try? I want to disappear off the face of the earth and become a hermit and write, like, uh, uh, fictional novels about the grass. I don't fucking know. But, um, no, it's, it's, it's just... Because of all of these things that I've been doing, um, I feel like I laid the foundation to get luckier... At the moment when I got lucky. So, people went to my Patreon out of curiosity. They saw all of the things that I post there, the consistency with which I post, and like the amount of things there is actually a value to the higher tiers, where like the $5 tier has lots of stuff. Um, Everybody who signs up gets a 30 minute video essay. That's like my rant about post uh, metamodernism. And uh, that's like for everybody at every level. And then, like at the five dollars, there's an excerpt from uh, that I cut from my conversation with Shannon Strucci a while back. And uh, there's you know, lots of outtakes and different kinds of things, um, a couple of vlogs, whatever. Um, there's value to that. And I think people see that, and they're like, okay. Yeah, I'll go for the five dollars. I think that's worth my money, especially if there's somebody who like wants to be a YouTuber and uh, has decided that they like my work um, and they see something in it that they want to, um, I guess, emulate, maybe. Um, so that's the thing is I've had a hard time. A little bit with like writing up these like breakdown posts and going into detail about my process and doing those because it's like who fucking cares? I'm just some Z tier YouTuber, nobody gives a shit about, nobody knows my name. Um, but I always knew that like all of this stuff has absolutely no value until it does. Nobody gives a shit who I am, what my thoughts are, what my process is, because I'm a nobody until something I do gets successful. And then people start seeing my other stuff and they're like, oh, this is also successful. I want to know what this person has to think. And so they go to my stuff and they it, it spreads. So I feel very vindicated in the wake of this success. Um, and it's, it's, it's just a start. Uh, this is not like I, I'm not making enough money to survive. I'm making enough to supplement my limited income substantially. Um, and I'm pretty close to being able to. I mean, I'm more than. Well, not more than halfway, but I'm close to halfway to actually being able to afford to live off of of doing the YouTube thing. Um, If I keep up my shit together, or keep up my shit together. If I keep my shit together uh, through the rest of this year, uh, do this video that I'm working on now. Uh, especially, I think the Star Fox 64 video that I'm working on that will come out uh, probably three or four weeks from now. Uh, hopefully, in time for. Halloween um I think that one will be popular because that's I just I'm I'm in love with the script I think it's hilarious uh and then after that I'll be doing some really really fucking sad videos in December um and I think all of those things will hopefully connect um and now a lot of my other videos are like trending people are talking about the like, things coming up in their suggestions. So the algorithm is picking up on me and throwing me out there. Um, of course, it's picking videos that I don't particularly like or agree with. And people are leaving comments like, oh, I don't agree with you. And I'm, oh, I don't fucking agree with me either. I did this video three years ago. I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. Um, anyway, that's enough of my like self-aggrandizing celebration of my little success. Um, I am I'm pretty happy with that. I was feeling really nihilistic because the world is kind of falling apart. Um and I was gonna talk about this for a bit, but I don't I don't know that I want to or will. But um over the weekend, um uh Judge Kavanaugh was appointed to the Supreme Court, and that to me felt like the day after the twenty sixteen election all over again, where it's like I just feel this utter hopelessness at the efficacy of, of American politics and its susceptibility to fascism. I'm sorry if you think it's not, but it is, it just, it just is. There's a a great series of videos by um, 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 Cody, Cody Johnston. Cody John. I can't remember his, if there's a T in his last name, um, Cody J. Uh, his his Twitter handle handle is Doctor Mister Cody. I, I've always loved that. But uh, uh, his his YouTube, his YouTube show that he does with um, a few other people who are former Cracked employees called um, Some More News. Um, that it, it's great. But there's there's a, a series of two maybe three videos that he did. That was basically breaking down how uh, uh, Trumpism quote unquote is sort of a new branch of fascism. Uh, go watch that if you are not convinced uh, that that is leaning towards fascism. Um, there's an argument to be made that it's not going to go as bad as it could. Uh, it certainly won't in the near future, but it's like everybody thinks that about a fascist state before it gets bad. Like, oh, it couldn't happen here until it does. Um, and, you know, I'm feeling nihilistic about that. There was a report by the National Environmentals. I don't fucking know what the uh, agency is. Uh, a bunch of fucking scientists uh, did some did some book reading and uh, discovered that if we don't make some radical fucking uh, uh, changes in our human industry habits, uh, we will be facing irreversible climate catastrophe uh, within the next you know 20 years, which is horrifying and not necessarily surprising, but, uh, it's, it really is. I mean, this is the thing with, I think, the millennial generation where people criticize us for our listlessness and like our, our, our desire to, our lack of a desire to get a job that doesn't necessarily fulfill us. Like, why don't you buy a house? Why don't you do this or that or the other thing? Uh, why are you so irresponsible with your money? And it's like, well, because since I was in high school, everybody has been saying the world is going to light up and burn to the ground. And like, we're going to have a scarcity crisis that leads to like a Mad Max wasteland. What's the fucking point of spending money on a house and, you know, paying a mortgage when I could be traveling and like enjoying life while I can. It's problematic. We're not going to go into it, but that's sort of how a lot of people, how, how, how I think a lot of, millennials what their attitude is is you know nihilism essentially uh with a tinge of like we got to do something about it but there is you know just politics in america is not great especially in 2018 um but i don't want to talk about that anymore um because i feel all right and it's it's one of those things where there comes a point when you have to step away and I have a bad habit of like listening to like political podcasts ad nauseum. Um, like the only podcast that I listen to. And so I just hear this stuff over and over and over again. And um, I start feeling like I am on the verge of a panic attack every second of every day. Um, And so I need to, to step back from that right now. Um, which, which, I don't know, you, you feel like you have to be plugged in because it's your responsibility. But um, Alison Kilkenny of uh, the podcast Light, Treason News always kind of reiterates like you're no use uh, to the resistance if you are non-functioning, uh, which is, she doesn't say that exactly. That's kind of a fucked up way for me to put it. But that's that's the sentiment, right? Like if, you, if, if you're having a mental breakdown, uh, if you're borderline, like your depression is driving you to uh substance abuse or self-harm uh you're not able to do uh everything that you could to uh uh to help make the world a better place um and so like you're you're better it, it, it's it's one of those things like it, you can't expect to really truly help other people if you're not if you haven't at some level helped yourself anyway I want to step back from that. Um, And uh, I'm going to get to some of my revelations uh, from yesterday in a a moment. Uh, Well, not a moment, in a bit. But um, so those of you who have listened are familiar with my constant calls begging for questions. I have an email, uh, transquestioningpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I've gotten like two emails in the past from people with questions. Um, But uh, in the wake of my sort of fun little success, um, I posted my um, Curious Cat, which is sort of a Twitter-adjacent thing where people can ask questions anonymously, and uh, you can answer them uh, up to a certain length and post them on Twitter. Um, And I've actually gotten a bunch of questions there so I think I'm going to start including Curious Cat because I think people have a weird aversion to emails these days. I'm not 100% sure why, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess I, I guess there's a level of like you can't be anonymous with an email or it's harder to be anonymous. I don't know, um, but that's fair. So uh, if you go to um, uh, CuriousCat.com, com slash HMS, no fun. I'll, I'll have to look at the, uh, the actual URL will be at the end of the episode and it'll be in the description of the episodes, um, wherever you get your podcast, hopefully, if, if I haven't fucked up, uh, how things are going. So I'm going to, I, I answered a lot of these questions on Twitter, uh, without realizing like, oh, I should save these for my podcast. So, um, I've saved these three and I think this is sort of a perfect, um, uh, a perfect little chunk of questions. Um, and then there's another thing that we'll get to in a moment. But so this is a question from Anonymous. Um, I'm non binary slash bi gender and pass almost equally as female and male in public. And this variability is key to my gender euphoria. I have recently started thinking about how I'm uncomfortable disclosing my assigned gender, especially in trans circles where it seems pretty necessary. What do you think about uh, assigned male at birth and assigned female at birth labels and how they influence non-binary folks? That's a fascinating question, and I don't have a great answer because... I in the last episode I, I discussed this the recent revelation that I am probably some level of gender queer, um, but i i still I still have in my brain sort of the the, the binary as it's been programmed into me. But as time goes on, I may learn to shed that. Uh, but it's there now, and. I don't know, like right now, what I'm thinking about is like bringing my physical appearance and my presentation towards the female side. And then after that, sort of figuring out what the fuck am I? But um, when it comes to non-binary identity, I think it is really fascinating. um, The discussion when we're discussing transgender people uh, at any specific length it is true that you almost implicitly have to disclose your your assigned gender uh it's it's implicit in like the um there's AMAB and AFAB you know assigned male at birth assigned female at birth there's MTF and FTM uh, male to female female to male um it that is a really interesting point that these these sort of labels that are just meant to communicate, you know, this is my sort of transition. um, They do kind of inherently erase non-binary genders and also explicitly back up, implicitly, I should say, implicitly uh, fortify our conception of the the, the gender binary and the idea of transition as flipping from one pole to the other pole, where like my experience is, sort of moving towards the center and eventually moving more towards the female end of the the spectrum but f- kind of living in the middle um it's uh, it's tough because i i don't really know how you fix that because it's the state of where we are in terms of the discourse right now has everything to do with like validating identity and there is a, I would say, very unfair sort of differentiation between uh, trans men and trans women, which that's my preferred way of talking about it as like trans men, trans women. But it's the same thing as implicit in that as if you're a trans man, you were assigned female at birth. Um, again, like that's that should be irrelevant information. Like in an ideal world, that doesn't matter. Uh when I say my name is Sarah and I'm a woman, that's the end of it. That's what I am, and like what I was before, no longer matters. That's sort of the ideal world, uh, but that's not the world that we live in. And right now, we're trying to we're we're, we're trying to to understand the transgender identity and non binary identity in the context of a non of a binary world. Um, that is very slowly changing and adapting to this new terminology for things that have existed always, and it's tough. It's tough. You don't you don't have these conversations without dipping into like very problematic things. It's hard to communicate uh, at any level of specificity without excluding people. Any category you invent out of thin air uh, invariably leaves somebody out. And it's just, it's an unfortunate fact of language. And I think we should strive at all times to keep that in mind and not create absolute categories and, you know, turn them into like a gospel. But we also have to be aware of the fact that language is imperfect. This conversation is imperfect. Nobody knows what the hell we're doing. And I think most people... If you ask them, they would probably say, be who you want to be. Um, hopefully they would embrace a non-binary identity, even if they don't understand it. Um, but it, it it's, its I mean, I remember listening to an episode of um, Invisibilia, what, like four years ago, maybe less than that? I mean, their first season uh, where they interview somebody who, and maybe this is This American Life, I can't remember, uh, where they interview somebody who is like, non-binary who describes like switching from male to female, like at the the drop of a hat Um, and they're interviewing this person and like a switch happens and it's like, Oh, very substantially. uh, Yeah. Their identity changes. And I, I remember listening to that and being like, Oh, that's really weird. And that's kind of the way that it's framed in that interview. And I think back on that now, and it's like, it's so interesting how that seems like such a trivial thing to sort of problematize and interrogate when it's like, yeah, you know, why do we, why do we need to get like a scientific explanation for this? This is, it's just this person. So other people do this. It's fine. It's fine. Now, if we're, if we're looking at it in a way of like trying to um, get some understanding about the world we live in, yeah, fuck it. That's good. That's a good conversation to have, but it's, it, it is coming at it from a cis normative perspective where it's sort of like the spectacle of the uh, the non-binary. I don't know. I don't know how to. I don't know how to deal with this. I think this is, I think it's an iterative thing. Um, it's an unfortunate sort of habit of how uh, progressive movements work, where we're still fighting for just general acceptance of transgender people. And it's kind of the same way it was with with um, the uh, the the gay marriage stuff in the early 2000s, um, as I remember it, as somebody who was a teenager at the time who was not engaged in the activist movements uh, previous to that, had no awareness of them because American education is garbage. Um, uh, There was I vaguely recall people being like, we can't. Include transgender people in this because the wider public is not ready, and that's bullshit. That's bullshit, one hundred percent. There's never a time when anybody is like ready. Uh, you just got to do it. People fucking get used to it. But that's our impulse, you know. And I do feel that impulse of like, uh, I don't know. I, we're still we're still fighting for acceptance of transgender identity, and I think it's possible that everybody everybody in, in a general sense is like non-binary in the sense that like a gender spectrum is an invention and it's not an inherent quality of human existence. It's just a categorization that we've invented uh, for the sake of communication and stratification of, of social roles. But uh, uh, it's still like we live in the world where the binary exists in that it's a, it's a collectively imagined thing. Um, so, it's hard to conceptualize and and we just have to build towards that. And I hope that we reach a point where um, we don't need to disclose our assigned genders every time we're talking about our transness. Um, I hope that people won't have to do what I have done with my podcast, my YouTube show, where I'm constantly sort of litigating my gender as a way of showing to people that it's normal, that this is a thing that can happen, you know, and, and that um, um, it's, it's different than what the the mainstream sort of media depiction frequently is. I've rambled about this particular question far too long. I want to thank you, Anonymous. Um, let's see. Uh, so this is from Valadren, and this is less than a, um, a story, or this is a story more than it is a question. Um, so I'm going to riff on it a bit. I spend so much time trying to figure out a way to put words to my identity, and everything I've come up with feels vaguely foreboding. Sometimes I feel like a woman, and that works just fine, but sometimes I look inside and it's just nothing. Emptiness, and sometimes it's horrifying, it feels like I'm fake, but sometimes it's comforting. Sometimes there's a sense of peace in feeling like I'm neither male or female, but then I wonder what that means. Are they structured, immovable poles in identity? Am I holding myself to some fake standard of one, the other, or neither? This is supposed to be a fun little story. Sorry. First off, uh, Valadrin, no need to apologize. That is precisely what the Curious Cat is for. Uh, I asked for questions, and you came with a very good little anecdote and question. Um, and it, it, it dovetails quite nicely, I would say, with my uh, a previous little, little, uh, little rant. Um, I would say again, I'm not, I'm not the expert in this. I, my, I, I don't have the expertise to speak on this with any sort of authority, but my intuition is that uh, no, these are not immovable poles in identity. Like I said, it's, it's a, it's an invention. Um, there is like a biological sort of gender that exists that is dictate that, that dictates certain biological functions um but even that is is gray uh, there's always there's, there's always ambiguity you never get away from it and the idea that it's um one the other or neither is um uh, uh is yeah no it's it's a it's a fake standard um and so what i would also say is that the what you describe the feeling of i um sometimes i'm happy sometimes i feel empty that's not uncommon and that is that's nothing to fear or be ashamed of and it's not a cause to doubt um if you if you, if 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 you're trying to express your uh, femininity or, uh, masculinity, whichever, uh, if you're trying to express your gender, I should say, um, feeling like none of it applies to you is perfectly fine. It does not change anything. We think stupid things all the time. There's a great, Uh, I want to say this actually, Jesus, it's either invisibilia or uh, this American life. I guess I just don't know the difference between them at this point. Um, Talking about um, impulsive thoughts and like, there's a, I think this is invisibilia. Somebody who. one day just started thinking like i want to kill my family and this idea like kept coming back to him of just like this thought and he was terrified of it and like oh god does this mean i'm going to kill my family does this make me a bad person and ultimately it came to absolutely not Uh, and this is sort of what uh, uh i believe uh not cognitive behavioral therapy uh cognitive awareness I can't remember exactly what it is. Rebecca Sugar's thing. There's a Steven Universe episode about it. But um, uh, it's, not, it's not Rebecca Sugar's thing. But a lot of people learned about it through her, I would say. But um, it's the idea that we like to think that everything about us is intentional. Uh, I am the master of my thoughts. Therefore, if I think a thing it is an extension of myself and it must have meaning and value and be indicative of something inherent to myself it's a sort of like psycho- psychoanalytical uh perspective on thought and that's just nonsense it's garbage and it i think this dovetails into a lot of feelings about um racism and sexism where i will admit i often struggle with weird uncomfortable gross kind of racist thoughts whenever i see a person of color and every time i'm like god what the fuck is wrong with me um and it's there's no malicious intent attached to it and obviously i'm not vocalizing it um it's just a thing that happens that maybe as a result of being brought up in uh, an environment that was not particularly critical of our whiteness and like our relation, our, our lack of a relationship with the the uh, community of uh, people of color in, in the areas where we lived. um, it, But it would be folly to say now, yeah, it would be folly for me to say um, that these thoughts indicate that there is something fundamentally wrong with me. Now, if I, Did not question these thoughts and I were to then be like, I think these things, therefore they must be a thing that I believe earnestly. Uh, Therefore I am, uh, therefore I am racist. Nobody, nobody who is a racist would ever say this of themselves. uh, Hopefully. Um, But that would, that would, that's, that's when it would start to get like become an issue. Obviously of like, you know, you're, you're, you're acting on this thought. That's a bad thing. But I think that feeling of emptiness that happens, I get that too sometimes. I frequently feel like a sham, like, what the fuck am I doing? I am not transgender. This is nonsense. Um, and I have the impulse to just like throw away all my clothes and my makeup and everything else, uh, my makeup that I never use uh, because I'm afraid of presenting in public Um And just being like, this is embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for myself. I'm embarrassed for my emasculated identity as a man. Ugh. Um, But then I have other days where I feel this like astounding euphoria and I feel myself. And I, you just, you can't, you can't listen to that. You can't think. It's, it's not. It's not indicative of anything. It's just it's just a thought. It's just a thought. It doesn't matter. Um, we think stupid things all the time. Now, that emptiness might be indicative that you are non-binary. Um, that's something that you ought to interrogate, perhaps. But what it ultimately comes down to is, do you feel comfortable... As the gender that you present as, that you were assigned? Uh, or do you feel comfortable in a chosen identity that is different from what you were assigned? If you feel more comfortable in the latter, if your impulse is to say, yes, I would rather be a woman or I would rather be a man, that says something. That's not something that a cisgender person would typically think uh, in the way of like a. a, a I don't want to say spiritual, but for me, there is like a a sort of spiritual element to it. Um, A feeling of more wholeness in myself. Um, Follow that and you will have doubts. Doubt is a part of it. And I think this is the problem with the mainstream transgender narrative as like, I knew from birth that I was a woman in a man's body. And so I suffered and 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 struggled, and then finally, I was able to transition, and now I live as a drag queen on the streets of San Francisco. Um, that's bullshit. Most people don't live that way. Uh, most people don't have that experience of like I knew from birth. Um, I didn't figure it out until I was almost thirty. You know, um, the whole the whole goddamn thing is is a complicated, subjective mess, and you just. You got to trust yourself. Back to that same old saw that I keep returning to in this podcast. Got to trust your gut. Um, and don't put too much weight on um, your stray thoughts. So here's another um, question from um, Curious Cat. Hopefully I can get through this one a little bit faster. Uh, this is another anonymous I'm loath to universalize my trans experience, but if I can impose on you with an understanding that I fully accept if you don't want to answer my, any of these questions, like me, did you grow a beard, neglect your body uh, in, in terms of diet or exercise uh, because you resented it, uh, claimed or thought you never liked being called sir because it was too formal, uh, thought that men's clothing was generally boring, uh, hid musical slash film tastes for fear of judgment, uh, in parentheses, too girly, uh try to convince yourself you preferred something culturally coded masculine i.e. steak beer rather than for uh, example wine um and then in parentheses uh, curious how common this is i'm sorry if any of the above is upsetting uh absolutely not upsetting thank you so much for your your question anonymous um yes to almost all of the above uh i grew i grew i had a pretty gigantic fucking beard um, I definitely neglected my body, uh, as my coming out video on YouTube will will attest. Um, I have I was uh, two fifty six um, a little over a year ago. Uh, I was I weighed even more before that. I'm down to one eighty eight now. Um, I definitely neglected my body. I still don't really exercise, and I need to get on that. But you know whatever. <laughs> um, uh, 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 the the sir thing. I can't. I, that's not that. That's not something that I ever really felt any particular way about. Um, in the first or second episode of this very podcast, I describe feeling like God, men's clothes are so boring. I like colors, I like shapes. Um, so absolutely, uh, hit musical slash film tastes, yes, and not just not just that, like everything. Every single thing, and this this gets into a, a bigger issue with my personality that I've recently had to confront, which is that I've always wanted to be accepted by my friends uh, to the point that I have always become, I've, I've made myself a chameleon. So the things that I like are things that I think my friends would like me for liking. Uh, and then whenever I received even just the lightest bit of criticism for anything that I enjoyed, uh, I would pretty quickly stop doing that thing uh, because I felt ashamed. Like I wasn't supposed to like that. And now I'm in this place of sort of trying to return to all of these things that I felt like I wasn't allowed to like. And um, uh, there's, there's a whole thing of my, um, this is, this is getting into a separate topic. I apologize. But um, uh, I, I, <sighs> A big, a big part of my conversation last night was sort of finally coming to the absolute realization that whether intentionally or not, it's probably not intentional. Um, the the friend that I had who our our uh, relationship severed in a very big way, and I've covered that a number of times in this podcast in the past. Um, I was in it was an abusive relationship. He was an emotionally manipulative person. At least in that last year, uh, he gaslit me, and I have a letter that I wrote to him that I never gave to him. That was supposed to be like a, uh, please, you know, if you if you just if you just explain this to me, and uh, you know, um, I won't go into that because it's very painful. Um, like I said, I cried a lot last night, reading it out loud and realizing, oh God, this is. These are the words of somebody who has been traumatized by emotional abuse. Um, This is the classic, like, kicked puppy response of, like, I don't care that you hurt me. I don't care that uh, you don't seem to care about me. I just want you to approve of me, and I'll do anything to get that. Like, I will forgive you instantly. I just want some kind of answer. Like, are we not friends anymore? Then just tell me that. Um, Which he never... Did that for me, which is I'm trying to let myself be angry about how I was treated in this, and it's very hard because I still um yeah, but um, no, I mean and that's the thing is um that sort of emotionally abused mentality is something that I've had with me for as long as I can remember, um especially now that I'm looking back on it with like kind of clear eyes where all I ever wanted was somebody to approve of me and like validate me. And I sought that by way of um, transforming myself into the people who were were around me. And so I find myself now in a place where I'm not really sure who I am uh, or what I love. And I'm also realizing that I um, have always felt some level of shame in enjoying things and uh that I had to justify the fact that I enjoy things to complete strangers um why why am I like that what what, what does that serve what's the point um and um yeah it's uh it's pernicious and I've been fighting it all day and just like that realization is tough um i I, th- I think that kind of gets uh, way, way, way off base. But I would say that, yes, I share many of those experiences. Um, now, this is this, always, I'm always, I'm always thinking like, oh, this, this episode won't go very long. And it always goes long. Um, so I'm going to close off on this. So I talked about a lot of the comments that I got on my um, uh, coming out video. Uh, it's titled, Hello, I Hate My Body. Uh, which is, um, uh, if, if you're, if you're not familiar with my YouTube channel, it's, uh, you can find it at youtube.com slash C slash let's talk about stuff, or you can just go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash uh, L T A S, uh, L T A S L is in let's, um, and, uh, uh, it, you'll find a link to my YouTube channel there. But, um, yeah, this is my coming out video from a little over a year ago. The thumbnail just says fat, hairy trans. Um, uh, uh, so have got uh, an immense quantity of very positive comments on this, but there was one in particular that, um, not particularly positive that struck a nerve with me. Um, and so I'm going to address it here a little bit. Um, so, okay. Um, this person whose username is anus, that's fun. He's got a Thomas the Tank Engine avatar. Didn't realize that. Um, So he said, sorry for sounding ignorant, but I don't understand how depression gets in the way of exercise. Jogging becomes a habit after like one or two weeks of doing it daily. Also, doing daily exercise helps with mental well-being. Uh, He left the N out of mental, so it's metal well-being. Here is my response To that comment. I don't know what to tell you. Depression gets in the way of everything. I've started many exercise routines over the years, gotten them to the point of habit after several weeks, and then I hit a low period and just stop. I feel great every time I exercise regularly, but that doesn't seem to matter. It takes a lot of discipline to do anything regularly when you've got serious depression. I was lucky to shower more than once a week back then. Gross, I know. On top of that, exercise is much harder for people who are overweight. I would go with a skinny friend to a climbing gym once in a while, and I'd get to the point of my arms being paralyzed after like 10 minutes, but my friend just scurried around for nearly an hour. I just have to sit there and watch him and think, I can't do that. I'll never be able to do that. Why do I even try? And I've, based on some other comments, I realized that I tell that exact same story in the video that I'm commenting on, so that's kind of funny. Um Uh, 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 I was nearly 300 pounds uh, at the time, and he couldn't have been more than 150. I know the quote-unquote right thing to do would be to take that moment as a challenge and be like, nah, I'm going to do it. And intellectually, I know that no one is naturally good at anything. It all takes time and practice. But depression isn't logical. It gets in the way of everything, regardless of what you know. And the attitude of people who do exercise regularly, that nah, just do it ethos, that's a big part of why I never work out. I didn't exercise growing up. I never played sports. Sports. I didn't live in an environment where that was ever emphasized. Honestly, I don't know how to exercise. It's not like I can afford a personal trainer or would want one even if I could. And it's a very rare friend who will be patient with you instead of throwing you in the deep end straight away, not realizing how demoralizing that can be for someone who already struggles constantly with motivation and self-worth. Depression poisons everything. Um, Now, hmm, I know he left a comment. Um on that but it appears to have disappeared so that's interesting um and it doesn't matter um he left a comment that i guess he deleted because he realized it was i don't fucking know uh but he but he responded to my response basically saying you know i don't buy that that excuse whatever Um, so here's why I feel compelled to bring this up at the end of this podcast. Um, we are self-defeating organisms, especially those of us who struggle with mood disorders. Um, it is very hard for us to do the things that we ought to do to get healthy And the people who are healthy, who don't necessarily have mood disorders, it comes naturally to them, or it can come naturally to them. And they don't understand how hard it is for people in our position. They can't comprehend it. And that extends to a lot of issues where there's a lot of cisgender people who are like, uh, cisgender men, I should say, specifically, who are um, suddenly confronted with the reality of sexual assault and they're alarmed that it can happen and they hear descriptions of what sexual assault looks like and they're freaked out like can you believe that this happens uh can you believe that and then they start describing the sexual assault to a woman as very clearly somebody who's like i can't believe that this is a thing while simultaneously not believing that it could ever happen to them or that it has ever happened to somebody that they know because they just assume that they would have heard about it so when it comes to this sort of thing like people just assume you know, oh you've got to have an easy time with this because I have an easy time with this it comes naturally to me I I just go jogging. it's fine it's super easy just do it. And it's like it's 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 not as simple as just doing it. Um, Nike's a bunch of liars. So what I want to say to people um who are in this position is that it is okay to not be able to do it and to just sort of be stuck. And I would argue that it's better to reside in your stuckness for some period of time and and work on yourself as opposed to forcing yourself to get through these things because ultimately all you'll end up accomplishing is establishing a very unhealthy relationship with these healthy quote-unquote um lifestyle choices i don't want to say like you want you need to wait until you're ready but I mean, I did a lot of horrible things to myself before I came out as trans. And once I came out, I realized that I was able to do a lot of these things. You know, I've lost a lot of weight. I've been able to keep up a diet. I feel mentally better. Um, my, I've, I've been a fucking roller coaster the last few weeks. I feel like uh, second puberty has kicked in uh, quite hard over the last week. My emotions are sort of very out of whack and... Uh, I've, I've cried it. I cried while petting Sylveon in Pokemon sun because she was just so happy. And I love the sound of her beautiful little, little voice. And <laughs> yeah, so that's sort of where I am as a person. Um, and I'm, and I'm happy to be that way. I'm happy to finally be able to feel emotion. Um, But the point, the, the point is that, you're trying when, when it's like you need to go jogging, you need, you need to eat better, this sort of thing, you know, these, these habits help solve your, your, your depression. And that's true that they have very good effects on people's mental health, but that's trying to fix a crumbling house by. what would be, it would be a good metaphor. I was about to say fixing the foundations, but that's, that's the thing that you should do. Um, Uh, 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 I'll just say that's like trying to fix the foundation of a house, uh, by first reinforcing the walls. like, you're not getting at, you're, you're treating a symptom, not a cause. And it, it, it is, I guess, I guess I should say that it is a cause because a lot of times our depression is the result of just like an obstinate fucking unhealthiness. And I felt like every time I go on a diet, uh, or exercise a little bit, I do feel amazing. Like I said, in that comment, But then my body sort of rebels, and I fall back into my bad habits. That hasn't happened in a while, because I am sort of in tune with my body in a way that I wasn't before. Um, But that's the thing, is that you have to find your relationship with your body and, like, get there. You have to be okay with, to some extent, what you are, and learn to embrace that for all its flaws, before you can learn how to do things that are unpleasant despite the fact that they are good for you. Um, or do things that are unpleasant because they are good for you. Uh, exercise sucks. People who like exercise are fucking liars. Um, but it is good for you in a general sense to up to a certain point. And I think it's good to try to work it into your into your. Ritual, but the more important thing is to cultivate a healthy mind and a healthy heart in a sort of symbolic sense. Without that, um, everything else will ultimately be insufficient. You might be bodily healthy and appear conventionally attractive, maybe, but you will not be a healthy person at your core. And that's the thing that you should be striving for. Hello, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Trans Questioning Podcast. If you have questions, or thoughts, or comments, or fucking whatever else, send me an email at transquestioningpodcast at gmail.com. Or go to my CuriousCat, w- which will be curiouscat.com slash HMSNoFun, something like that. If the if that URL is incorrect, check the description of this podcast, and you will find the correct URL. Uh, otherwise, go to my Twitter at HMSNoFun, and you'll find... Um, if you scroll down long enough, you'll find my fucking curious cat. It's not that hard. Do a little bit of work. Do your own legwork, it! I apologize. <laughs> um, uh, I have a Patreon, patreon.com slash L-T-A-S. Uh, for as little as a dollar a month, you can support me doing this thing that I do. Uh, if you like uh, the words that I say and the way that I say them. My ability to do these things is based solely on money. Uh, I am a coin slot machine. Uh, without, without money... Uh, my voice falls silent, and I become an inanimate object. So um, please send your capital my way. Um, for a dollar a month, you get all kinds of fun little things. Five dollars, all this behind-the-scenes crap if you like my YouTube garbage. I shouldn't say that. My my pretty good YouTube videos. And I think that's it. I don't know, man. I don't know. Person. <laughs> That's a joke for one other person who maybe listens to the podcast. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Thank you for listening. Uh, The cover art is by Emily Bonegarner and I am alive and you are too and I hope that you have a pleasant week and weekend and rest of your fall. Thank fuck that the temperatures are dropping. I cannot wait to wear long sleeve clothes again and enjoy my wonderful winter outfits. This is what I have been waiting for this is the moment for me. This is my time. Anyway, hopefully it will be your time too. Good luck. God bless. Unless you don't believe in God, I don't either. Uh, 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 fucking get out of here. Go home. Stop listening to me.